0: Of, of workers that will actually go over with me to the new church and will be helping me out so I'll be working with that over the summertime I'll probably be teaching a Sunday school class I'll be preaching in June in the church just so the church gets to know me and then finally as we do that we need to be building a core leadership team so we need someone to work in children's ministry uh, we need a worship leader that's a big prayer of uh, things that we'll need um, as well as some other key leaders there that you can see so I just hope that you will remember us in prayer. We've, church planning is a challenging area to get into, to be starting from scratch. So just be praying for our team there. Now, I think it's important that we look into God's Word this morning. And actually, I prepared a short message. I knew we had a, <laughs> quite a load of things this morning. You know, um, one of the most popular shows on public television, and there aren't many of those, I know. <laughs> one of the most popular shows is called the Antiques Roadshow. You've probably seen it on TV. travels around the country. People bring all of these items that are of real value to them. It's always interesting when somebody brings one, and it turns out that it was a fake, or it's not really worth anything. I kind of like to see those. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, something looks like it's totally worthless and it ends up being worth, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. But people are bringing things there that are, are real value to them. Whether they know if it's really valuable or not. To them, those things are really valuable. And that's why they bring them. They want to find out what they're worth. And that's the question I want to ask you this morning. What do you value? When you look out, around this world, when you look outside, what are the things that are of real value to you? You might write down a couple of those right now. What are the things that you really value? Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's a car. Maybe it's the beautiful Southern California weather. Although that's questionable lately. What are the things that are really of value to you? You know, there's someone in the Bible that had to learn a lesson about what is of real value to God. And what should be of real value to Him. And that was Jonah. I want you to turn in your Bibles right now to the book of Jonah. It's right after Obadiah, if that's any help. <laughs> it's okay, even pastors, we kind of flip through those... Uh, Those minor prophets. The book of Jonah. Just so you know, Jonah was a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel. And he prophesied during the reign of Jeroboam II, who actually expanded the borders of northern Israel during his reign. It was a time when the Assyrian Empire was really the dominant force in the Middle East. But their power had waned just slightly. They were sort of in a, a little state of waning. And during that time, Jeroboam was able to expand his borders. Of course, Assyria would again become more and more powerful and expand their dominance and influence. But it was during that time that Jonah prophesied. And that's what we pick up in the story. And I want you to look at Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. The word of the Lord... That, I'm sorry... Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. The word wickedness can also mean a calamity. I think God was foreseeing that that something was going to happen to them. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So God commands Jonah to go to the capital city of Nineveh of the Assyrian Empire and to preach against it because of this calamity that is going to be coming upon them. And the city of Nineveh was about 1,800 acres and for those of you familiar with Iraq now, it's really right next to Mosul that you've heard about in Iraq. And so Assyria's power was growing, and they were a brutal empire, just so you know this. They were brutal. They went in and really slaughtered people when they conquered an area. There's, we have pictures of them, of course, of the things they did. They would skin people, they would put them on poles, they would do all sorts of grotesque things. So these were not well liked people. notice jonah 's response to God. He goes the exact opposite direction that God tells him to go. He goes down to the western seaport in Israel of Joppa, and he wants to get on a ship that 's going to take him all the way to Spain, <laughs> the exact opposite direction from Iraq that he needs to go. Not only that, but not only does he go far to The West, But notice that he gets on the ship. And not only does he get on the ship, but he goes down below deck on the ship. He's trying to get as far away as he can possibly get from doing what God told him to do. Now, we're not told exactly why Jonah does this. Jonah sort of saves that here in his book until the end. Sort of the punchline of why he's doing this. And that's what we're going to look at today. But did you know what happened to Jonah? He did get on the ship, but then there were the stormy seas. And he told the sailors to cast him overboard and that the 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 sea would calm. And they did that. And then Jonah is dying. He's sinking down into the ocean. But God sends a fish to swallow Jonah and saves him. And that's what we have in chapter 2. You see what Jonah was, Jonah's thanks to God when he was actually inside of the fish. He's recalling what that experience was like. Then we get over to chapter 3, and again God says, you need to go to Nineveh after the fish has spit him up and saved his life. He says, you need to go to Nineveh. Jonah says, okay, I'm going to go. He goes to Nineveh, preaches in the city, and the people actually respond to his message. He says that they are going to be destroyed. But they respond, and that's what we pick up at the end of chapter 3. I want you to turn to chapter 3, verse 10. Chapter 3, verse 10. Then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that He had said He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. You see, Jonah was acting like a prophet is supposed to act. You go in and you say, "God is going to judge you," but if the people will turn from their wicked ways, then God will actually relent from bringing that judgment upon the people. That's what a prophet was supposed to do. He's supposed to pronounce judgment on the evil that's in a society. But the Ninevites had responded. They had repented for what they had done. And God relented from the judgment that he was going to bring upon them. Notice Jonah's response, though, in chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord... And said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now we get the punchline. Why is it that Jonah wanted to run away? Because he knew that if God sent him there and the people responded that God would not judge them. And he wanted them to be judged. That was Jonah's mistake. Jonah wanted the Assyrians to be judged because they were such an oppressive group of people. But that's not what God wanted to do. You see, Jonah wanted to limit God's mercy. He only wanted God to be merciful and gracious towards his own people, not towards other people. Notice that Jonah has a good theology, right? He understands God very well. He says in verse two, "Our Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant and loving kindness. One who relents from doing harm. And what he's doing here is he's quoting Exodus 34, where God passed in front of Moses and proclaimed who he was in His core of his nature, that he was a loving and compassionate God. Jonah knew that very well. And he also understood his role as a prophet, that God would relent from bringing judgment. Isaiah calls God's judgment his strange work. That is his thing that isn't normal for him. God doesn't want to have to bring judgment upon people. In Jeremiah chapter 18, God says that if a country or a people that he pronounces judgment upon will turn from their their evil ways, that he will relent from bringing judgment upon them. And Jonah knew that well. But notice that Jonah is angry at God. But but God then confronts Jonah in verses 3 and 4. He says, Therefore now, O Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Is it really justified? Is it a right thing for you to try to limit my love for a certain group of people? And then God gives Jonah an object lesson to teach him that it was not right. And that's what we read in verses 5 to 8. Look at verses 5 to 8. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. He was still hoping that because he was angry at God, that God might change his mind and then judge the people after all. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Notice that's the same thing that he said back in verse 3 being angry at God you see what God does is he gives Jonah an object lesson and he does with this plant what Jonah wanted God to do with Nineveh Jonah wanted God's judgment to fall upon the city of Nineveh instead God judges this plant and causes it to wither and Jonah is just as upset about that as he was at God for not judging Nineveh it's a complete opposite thing He says, you're trying to limit my mercy on Nineveh, and yet you want me to be merciful to this plant. He shows that Jonah was not right. But by doing this, it shows us inside of Jonah's heart what he really cared about. What is it that he really valued in his life? And that's what we see driven home in these final verses. Verses 9 to 11. Then God said to Jonah... Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry even to death. But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons, who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock. There's a little wordplay that's going on here with the word pity. What God is saying, you have been so troubled about this plant, for which you have not labored, nor you've made it grow, which came at night and perished. And God says, and he uses the same word, but with a little bit different nuance, and should I not then be concerned or have pity upon this city? full of people you have so much concern for this little plant shouldn't I have pity and not bring judgment upon this great city you see through this story God's getting at the very heart of it and Jonah notice actually wrote this book for our benefit making fun of himself showing us his character flaw So that we might see what God really cares about. And what God cares about are people. God values all people. That's the point of the book of Jonah. God is gracious and compassionate towards all people. Not just the people that we like. You see, that's the way we should be. We should value all people above all of our selfish desires see how worked up Jonah got over the fact that he was getting a sunburn and he should have been more worked up about the people in that city and loved and cared for them now I relate a lot to this story right now in my life that's why I wanted to share it because I'm going to be in intense heat just like Jonah (laughs) (laughs) this is the first story that comes to my mind when I think about moving to Tucson I'll be honest with you that was one of the drawbacks And when I originally kind of looked at this I thought I've never lived in the desert this is going to be tough in the summertime but just like I told you Susan and I were sitting in that park and when you see those hundreds of kids getting off those buses that's what really matters that solidified it for me it's people that's what really matters Now, a lot of you, if you're like us, who watch reality television, uh, Susan's favorite, and I watch it too, is Survivor. <laughs> I like it because I say, well, this is depravity in action right here. I can just watch this and see it. <laughs> but I know there's all kinds of other shows. There was one about Laguna Beach up here, High, schools in, high Schoolers in La- Laguna Beach. There's ones about, oh, a fashion designer. You can be the greatest fashion designer. uh, The top model. All these reality television shows. Fear factor. But, you know, part of what those shows do, in some ways, is they depersonalize people. We watch them. We see them there. They're sort of objects. It doesn't require anything of us to sort of look at them and draw judgments about them. Right? Right? But that's not what God wants from us. He wants us to open our eyes and to realize that we should value people and that we should get involved in their lives. That was Jonah's big mistake. You know, Jesus was a person, when you look at his life, who surrounded himself with people. He wouldn't have been the guy who sat inside watching reality television. Right? And so I hope as we conclude this missions conference here this, over these last two weeks that you will take all these opportunities to heart you've heard so many different opportunities from so many people but God wants us to value above all other things when we look out into this world he wants us to value people and to see that they're living active people that we can interact with and be involved with and so your neighbors need you You've heard about all these missions opportunities. You can help one of our local missions, maybe like Camp Allendale or some others. And you've also heard about foreign missions over these last couple of weeks. So I'd ask you to take that challenge to heart, to value people more than anything else. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for your word. We know that when we look into your word, your word changes our lives. And we thank you. For giving us Jonah. For his willingness to share his mistakes and his life with us, Father, that we might learn from them. And also to learn your heart, God. And we know that you, above all else, value people. You love people. And Father, we pray that we will be people who will reach out into this world and share your love with, with others. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.